0: I think that I also, when I look back at it now, my greatest gift was that I was able to shut up and learn from people, but I should have done it more. Mm-hmm. You know, I was still, there were there were times when I was still too eager to be the guy who knows instead of the guy who's learning. Yeah. And I think every time you play the role of the guy who knows, you shut off the guy who's learning. And I just think now at, you know, 32 after all this time here, I'm like, man, there was plenty of time. There still is plenty of time. And now that's what I do. But there's plenty of time to get where you want to get. Just learn and be humble and make sure that you're understanding. This isn't a race. This isn't a who's the coolest, who's the smartest. This is a, a process of, of learning and learning who you even are and getting where you want to go, you know?
1: What's up, guys? My name is Tiffany Parra, and thank you so much for joining me for the season two finale of the Work in Progress podcast. Today's episode is featuring Chris Drama Path, founder of Young and Reckless, and host of the two incredible podcasts, Short Story Long and Group Chat both of which are two of my favorite podcast guys. So if you haven't heard of them, there will be in the links in the show notes below. Definitely go check those out. So a little bit about drama. He came to LA at 18 and quickly made a name for himself as the assistant to Rob Deerdeck and the hit MTV reality TV show, Robin Big. After three seasons there, they began filming for Fantasy Factory. And this is where drama kickstarted Young and Reckless. In this episode, we talk about what it was like for drama to make the big move at 18, from Akron, Ohio to LA, the MTV days, and all the craziness that occurred there, as well as some tactical advice to help anyone with an interest in starting a clothing brand in 2019. If you guys want to watch the video version of this podcast, definitely go check out uh, the link in the show notes below. The YouTube version will be there as well. And make sure to check out Drama's content, and it has helped me a ton in both personal development and in business. His Instagram handle is Drama. And if you guys want to let me know your thoughts of this podcast, any feedback, make sure to DM me on Instagram. My Instagram is at TiffanyPara underscore. Um, and I'll have that linked in the show notes below. Thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast. The past two seasons have been incredible. I can't wait to show you guys what I have for season three. Make sure to stay in the loop, um, by following me on Instagram as well as subscribing to the podcast. So I'll catch you guys in a couple weeks for season three and I hope you have a good one. Peace. it's really not about well who are you and how old are you it's really how much time have you spent on a given platform <laughs> my I think my one piece of advice especially for young people is just like every day try and
0: figure out how the world works compared to changing the future of somebody and doing it for the greater good That is, in my opinion, the best idea I've ever come up with.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Work in Progress podcast. Today I'm with my guest, Chris Dramapath. How are you doing today?
0: I'm great. How are you? Awesome.
1: I'm doing well. Um, So, yeah, you know, you you are the founder and CEO of Young and Reckless, as well as um, the hit reality TV show. Well, former hit reality TV show, Robin Big. Uh, So we'll kind of talk about your story. Um, And kind of how that evolved into what you're doing today.
0: Awesome. Yeah So I guess
1: to take it back, you know, where are you from and and kind of what was childhood like back there?
0: Yep So I'm from Akron, Ohio super small town Uh, Not a lot going on, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of farm land a lot of uh, bored people Um, And I was obsessed with skateboarding. That was my thing. Mm -hmm. That's me and my brother. My brother's four years older than I am and that's all we did all day. Every day was just skateboarded all around town and we would travel up to Cleveland and go down to Columbus and stuff like that. And that was my absolute obsession. So I that's what drove me to L.A. was because L.A. is just like skateboard heaven. And so I think from the age of like 14, I knew the moment I graduated high school, I was moving to L.A. Mm. And um, that's pretty much what I did.
1: Wow yeah. that's incredible yeah. so like just going out like throughout yeah. high school were you like into school at all or kind of did you have like the vision that you were gonna be like a pro skateboarder in la
0: yeah I thought I was so lost in in skateboarding and I don't say lost in a bad way but like I was obsessed with it and school had nothing to do with that like there's nothing about how you do in school that affects the yeah. skateboard industry and so I just got I, I got the job done you know mm-hmm. I, I also didn't want to like let my parents down too much. So I think Mm. my grades were like B's and C's. Um, I pretty much walked around with my hood up. I would, you know, I got an iPod when they first came out and I would put it in my pocket and rig the, you know, the headphones up through the hood. So I wouldn't get in trouble. (laughs) And I'd be like listening to probably like Eminem Mm. and I'm just staying to myself and kind of doing what I needed to do to Mm. get through, not bum my parents out too much and then, and then finish. So I didn't go to any of the school dances or, parties at kids house or anything like that because all I wanted to do was skateboard and that's actually why now our young and reckless holiday party is called prom is because I didn't go to my prom or to any so this is like my excuse Mm -hmm. every year to have like the party you know
1: yeah that's Mm -hmm. so cool Um, and so then to actually like I guess get to LA where Mm -hmm. you I'm guessing maybe where you're from I don't know I'm actually from New Jersey so like no one in my high school like went to California or anything like that so just kind of being like that one wandering off Mm -hmm. um, how was that in terms of like preparing for that big move and and what that entailed this is the
0: way it looked for me is like I was so excited about going to LA finally that I wasn't like scared I didn't even properly plan I didn't have enough money but I thought I did you know like Mm -hmm. all that stuff but when I got here that all kind of hit me and so I you know my cousin Rob who I ended up doing all the TV stuff with was you know he's Um, He's from Dayton, Ohio, which is a few hours away. He's lived in California since pretty much I was born. Mm -hmm. And so we knew who each other was, but like I didn't know him really. So when I came out, I obviously hit him up on on email and I was like, hey, I'll do anything. I'll I'll scrub your floors. I'll do like literally anything. I just want to be out there. I want to be in the skateboard industry. And at this time, he was just a skateboarder. And I remember... The first night in L.A., I was hanging out with him and he's like, oh, I have to leave. I'm going on a date, um, but you can hang out here. And I was alone at his house and I was like almost in tears. And and I remember calling my mom and being like, I think I messed up, you know, Mm -hmm. like I don't think I was ready for this. I think I should have planned to have some friends come with me or like do something. But Mm -hmm. this feels terrible. And it took a while. It took probably like a couple months for me to not think that i made a huge mistake and then i needed to go back and then it probably took a couple years for me to really like feel like this was home and this is somewhere that i could actually like really live you know so it was a bit of a it was a bit of a rocky start yeah
1: definitely no i feel that i think that's so important that you highlight that because i think that when a lot of people like perceptions is probably like oh you moved out here from you know um Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I'm totally blanking. I know where you're from because you talk about Ohio. Iowa and Ohio. I always mess Mm up. Um, Ohio. And then, like, you know, everything's just perfect. And I think that's what people, like, think of in terms of big moves. But it's so much of a period of adjustment Mm -hmm. and, like, kind of finding your own uh, footing. So I know kind of to highlight, like, that initial email. Isn't that, like, how you got your your name drama? So for anyone who doesn't know, maybe you can highlight that story.
0: Yeah. So I was, like, super, like, I wore, like, big baggy white tees uh from Foot Locker, my big baggy jeans and like air force ones my favorite artist was young jeezy i just i thought i was like killing it right i had my <laughs> mazda 626 with like it was like an 89 mazda with um two 12 inch subs in the back and just to paint a little picture of who i thought i was yeah and so my email address and my myspace was cause and drama mm-hmm I don't know exactly why. I don't know why I thought I was so cool. I don't know <laughs> what I was thinking. But it was perfectly normal to me. And then my mm-hmm. MySpace, at the time, it was right when MySpace had first launched. So to me, it was still kind of like a joke. Yeah. Like it wasn't like, you know, it's like something to play around on. Mm-hmm. So like all my photos were me like, like, what's up? What's up? Like with my big T's on and like uh-huh. my LeBron James jersey and like, yeah. And so I emailed my cousin. And I wrote this really like in like long email about mm-hmm. look, man, like this is my one chance. This is my dream. Like yeah. I'll literally do anything. I'm, you know, I, I'm not good enough to be a pro skateboarder. I knew that. But like I kind of I know how to film a little bit. I can mm-hmm. film. I can take photos, mm-hmm. anything you want to do. And he just wrote back and said, causing and drama. What the hell? <laughs> and I was like, no, like I was so devastated because <laughs> yeah. for me at 18 years old in Akron, Ohio, like me and Robert are so close now, but at the time it was like this guy that I'm related to that. I don't really know that I'm like, Mm -hmm. Hey man, please. Like you're my one, like hope to have any sort of friends or, and know anyone in LA. Mm -hmm. And so I thought for sure that I had blown it, you Mm -hmm. know? And then, Fast forward, it ended up working out when I came out here, he printed all of those embarrassing MySpace photos, <laughs> put them on his kitchen table and told all of his friends, This is my cousin, he calls himself drama, he thinks he's a rapper, he's coming That's out here, so everyone funny. be nice to him, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And so when I got here everyone was like, Drama, what's up? Yeah. And I was like, What? And like it literally just stuck and like ever mm-hmm. since I literally touched down in LA everyone's just called me drama
1: yeah that's so cool yeah um and then in terms of like mentorship right I think that's so important Mm -hmm. for like a lot of young people would you say like I guess in those initial years like was Rob your mentor did you have you know other mentors around you
0: yep so I had a lot and that's something that you know I think a lot of people talk about finding a mentor and I think that's true and that's definitely something that you should do but I've also sought out like advice and input from a million people Mm -hmm. and so i think that even when i first moved here there was all sorts of different people obviously he was the initial one and what i always say is he more mentored me on like my parents raised me on how to be like a functioning human being Mm -hmm. but rob really mentored me a lot on how to like operate in the real world in LA and how to navigate like life's real challenges, you know, very like family oriented. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, he gave me a lot of input on business. I, I mean, he invested in a company called rogue status that Mm -hmm. had um, like guns all over the shirt. It was a real popular shirt in like the Robin big days. Mm -hmm. And the creator of rogue status was a guy named Mm Johan and he was the coolest guy in the world. And he had a store down in Venice and I would go pick up stuff for Rob because I was his assistant. And they would just be hanging out in Venice and it'd be the rogue status guys. And they would ride around on these like scooters. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, like that was my first time seeing a brand. Like yeah. someone create a real brand mm-hmm. and especially like an apparel, like streetwear brand. And I was like, man, this is so cool. Mm-hmm. You know, like to be able to create a little gang for your, yeah. you. Know what I mean? <laughs> and then everyone across the country or the world wants to be a part of that gang. And they yeah. come visit you when you're, you know, whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, there was a million. I remember when big black started his clothing line, I would watch him get, checks for hundreds of thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. and I'd be like oh my god like we'd be sitting in his room and he'd be opening this check for two hundred thousand dollars that's crazy so the point is I can't point to any one Mm -hmm. mentor I've literally I owe everything that I know and have accomplished to probably 35 different people Mm -hmm. and and I'll continue to do that as time goes on, even when I started a podcast a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. I reached out to everyone I knew that had a podcast and asked mm-hmm. them why they did what they did mm-hmm. and what the hardest part was. And it's just it's so important. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. I think so too. I think sometimes people get caught up in like, this is my mentor. And if I ask anyone another question, like I might betray them or something like that, but it's really just important to get a, like a lot of different outside perspectives.
0: Yeah. And I think what people do, um, I don't want to judge and say wrong, but, mm-hmm. but is people tend to always look for, the one thing yeah. that's going to change their life. Mm-hmm. So like whenever people come up to I post a lot that I read a lot. Yeah. People come up to me all the time and they're like, hey, I know you read a lot of books. Cool, cool. What's the one yeah. that changed your life? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't work like that, mm-hmm. right? It's a combination of all of them mm-hmm. that has made some progress. Yeah, And everyone's looking for the magic bullet um, with any of these self-help things or business things or whatever. It's the same with mentors. It's almost like you're sitting around waiting for the perfect person yeah. that's going to make you a super entrepreneur. Yeah. And and you just got to find them. And once you do, that's your person. And I will tell you that even some of the most successful people in the world have a very slim view of the world. Mm-hmm. And the chances of you exactly following their path are slim to none. You're a totally different person. Mm-hmm. So what you want to do is get a little bit of this person's input, a little bit of that, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. And that's what I really try to do with anything new that I'm launching. I call anyone that I know that's even kind of in that field Mm -hmm. and just have a conversation with them yeah, and then kind of triangulate Mm -hmm. what I learned and then make my own judgment and that's Mm -hmm. how you truly become a smarter stronger more evolved person you know and use that as help not as like Oh, he's gonna make me rich.
1: Mm-hmm. That's my
0: mentor. I, you know I, like I mean? that.
1: That's a really good point. That's yeah. so funny that you say that because yeah, I definitely kind of had that idea. That it's like oh, I have to find the person. I have mm-hmm. to find that person to work with. Um, but I agree. Like you just learned so much through meeting so many different people. Yeah. Um. So you kind of like alluded to a little bit like the back in the the big black days of Robin Big and yeah. like you know the clothing line. Kind of. Can you highlight that whole era of just like the reality TV show days? Yep.
0: Uh, it was absolutely insane and. um, really what happened from my perspective is so i move out here i'm super uncomfortable pretty much in tears with my mom I start to get a little more comfortable right mm-hmm. rob and these guys start to become my friends all of his friends you know rob's 40 i think three or four years old all of his friends were her were his age too so i'm here with all these 30 something year olds i'm 18 yeah i finally get adjusted you know we're skating we're doing all this stuff and the idea had came up that maybe the thing that him and Big Black had could be a show or it could mm-hmm. be something special. So the way that it first looked is they just put cameras in the house, like those big cameras that you used to need because you didn't have iPhones. Yeah. And they said, hey, if anything crazy happens, just film it so that we have an idea of what it looks like over there. And so we just film each other doing the dumbest stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. It had nothing to do with anything that was ever on TV, but mm-hmm. we were just messing around then another guy comes in he says hey you know i think this could could be something and then rob starts to formulate it finally we get to the point where we shoot a pilot and i remember the day of like oh my gosh like Mm -hmm. it's mtv pilot day and like for me akron ohio this is like six months later you're like oh my god so we're so nervous and i am they're Mm -hmm. not walking around whatever we shot this pilot then we go through the process of Trying to edit it and trying to figure out what it even is. You know, when you're trying to build a TV show, like I'm trying to figure out TV shows right now for Mm -hmm. my podcast. Mm -hmm. And it's very much a process of like, well, here's what we have. How can we mold this and make it actually a show? It's hard to do. And so we were molding it and switching it. And Rob was working really hard on it. And it went through nine different edits of what the show could have been with nine different names. And Mm -hmm. finally, at the end, they decided on Robin Big. This is what it is. He told MTV, just trust us. Like we can make this a thing if we just let us kind of mess around. And they did. And it launched, and it was just like instantly like caught on Mm -hmm. and huge. And and it's so weird because nothing nothing in the world really works like that. Unless maybe you're like a music artist or you know, like because it's always a slow build and you build a fan base or you build a following on Mm -hmm. your podcast or whatever. That was like it aired on Monday mm-hmm. and on Wednesday you got recognized in the mall, you know, <laughs> and it was just cool, like, yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> and so then all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, if you want to go to Vegas for new year's, there's a VIP host that takes care of celebrities. And mm-hmm. so now I'm 21 years old in Vegas yeah. getting treated, you know, and it's just like, mm-hmm. it really was insane. And I think that really elevated everything that we ever wanted to do or we're going to do or mm-hmm. whatever. and, and and it was amazing. That show was an absolute phenomenon, mm-hmm. and it was at the height of reality TV, at the height of MTV. Yeah, and it was amazing. It was a hell of a experience. Yeah, you know that was incredible. my college <laughs> kind of, you know.
1: Yeah, no, that sounds super fun. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy that it, it accelerated so fast. Mm-hmm. And then just like a quick, like curiosity question: like at that time, right? Rob didn't have Fantasy Factory, and then obviously Ridiculousness, because those came after. Yep. So, like, what do you think in terms of like? You know, him convincing MTV, this massive network at the time that was like number one, I'm sure, mm-hmm. um, that he and his best friend mm-hmm. deserve a show.
0: Mm-hmm. He's... That's one of his gifts, right? He is creatively a genius mm-hmm. and he's also like a negotiating genius, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like a the, the, his salesman quality. Like he can literally... He could walk up here right now and convince you that this building is absolute garbage and that one is the best building in the world to live in and Mm -hmm. you'll move tomorrow. (laughs) Like, he's just so good at those things and those work so well for that. So, I think that it's something that I learned a lot from and it was super like inspiring to me at the time. But he had such confidence in what he knew that him and Big Black could create if MTV would just let him. Do what he needed to do. Mm. And they finally gave in and did, and he created a hit TV show that's remembered forever. Yeah. You know, and then the same thing happened with Fantasy Factory. Robin Big was over, Big Black had moved to Texas to raise his daughter. MTV said, Hey, we want you guys still on the air. And he sold him this idea. And it was also a long shot. You know, let me work out of this weird factory downtown and it's a skate park slash business office. And you know what I mean? And but it worked. And then Mm. And then ridiculous the same thing so that's definitely a gift of his that i've learned a lot from and tried to like in some ways emulate mm-hmm. you know in my life now
1: definitely and then in terms of like you being looped into the show right mm-hmm. um how did that work did rob just come up to you and say like hey drama we want you in the show like yeah, you're gonna be like you know <laughs> 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 how did you kind of like, like did you want to be in the show like how did you perceive reality tv show yep. at that time
0: so at the time um Kind of the the condensed version is i was still so overwhelmed by everything mm-hmm. by la by this new these new friends by everything and but i saw obviously like these guys are working on a show there's you know rob has all these sponsors there's like some real action here and obviously mm-hmm. i want in on the action and i want to be a part of like the where the where everything's headed you know and i, I think that at the time there were a lot of friends that tried to come get in yeah and you know like picture like it was like a skate house it was a nice house but it was a skate house and it was an open door policy everyone would always just come over and hang out for a little bit and then leave and whatever so of course as soon as you start actually filming everyone's showing up Mm -hmm. at weird times and they're just popping in the camera and they're saying oh yeah I remember when that happened wasn't that funny (laughs) you know and you're like come on man you got to get out of (laughs) here and um and so I kind of stayed out of that and at one point they even came to me and said look man we know you're rob's assistant we know you're going to be here every single day but you got to like stay out of this isn't about you this Mm. is their show yeah just try to stay away from the cameras and so i'm like okay you know whatever (laughs) and but i knew i wanted i knew i wanted to be involved i just didn't know how that was going to happen so the point was i really just kind of played my role i didn't try to assert like i didn't try to jump in shots i didn't Mm -hmm. do any of that and sure enough one day they were like hey drama come do this thing and that's where like if you watch robin big my character is very much like this shy kid that doesn't know what's going on that's like drama come here and that's how it started you know (laughs) Uh and that became like almost a famous like tagline like drama Mm -hmm. you know and and so that is what happened they called me into a shot and they said hey do this and they were just like oh this is cool like it's rob and big black his two best friends and then his weird shy little cousin from Mm -hmm. ohio that has to come do whatever you ask him Mm -hmm. and then that built on another thing another thing another thing and then it just became part of the dynamic i think um and it worked out but that's what it came from was like slowly like okay you want to be around but just be cool yeah figure out your way Mm -hmm. you know and then um once you get the opportunity then take it. Yeah. You know,
1: definitely. And then I guess going to like fantasy factory days, right. That's around the su- same time you y- launched uh, young and reckless. Yep. So it sounds like you were already gathering inspiration just through being around like a lot of amazing people yeah. in terms of like seeing brands and what they could create. Yep. Uh, when did you kind of decide like, okay, now it's time to start my own brand.
0: Yep. Because also to, f- to finish, I-, I guess I didn't even fully answer your question mm-hmm. from the last one through all of that I still had no there was nothing attractive to me about being like a tv star Mm -hmm. you know like that just wasn't the world for me yeah I saw all the stuff going on with like business and and starting companies and that seemed so interesting I'm just not the like front of the room entertainer dude you know what I mean it's just not naturally who I am but I loved watching people build businesses and create something you know Mm -hmm. and so what happened was I think through all of Robin Big, I was like okay well I'm kind of in on this right I just barely kind of got involved but not enough to make any real money or not even get any like sponsorships and so I started trying to think of my thing because my goal was like okay how can I use this as a launching pad but do create something so that I can live in LA have a business or something yeah and be able to pay my bills so the first thing I started doing during Robin Big was music. And mm. I was making beats and stuff like that and mm. I was I would give them to the executive producers and they would use them as like the background beats when you go to like commercial mm-hmm. or come back in and they were so terrible. <laughs> and thank God for those producers for doing that for me, but um and then I I I thought of a bunch of different things. I had a I thought of like a bracelet company where you could piece together different bracelets. I mean, it's the dumbest idea ever, mm-hmm. right? But it's like, okay, you can piece together this beaded one with this gold one, with this, yeah. And, and, um, all these different things. But I think when fantasy factory started, it was like, okay, this is really my chance mm-hmm. because big black had moved away. And so I was the second, essentially the co-star. Yeah. And I had seen what happened with big black and he was, he was a big enough character to really launch a brand and, and make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, this is my chance. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I just racked my brain over and over and just tried to think of anything. And really young and reckless was the idea that started getting traction. And I could tell from the beginning it was special and I didn't end up launching it until the second season because i didn't get my trademarks in time i didn't do any of that in time and you can't put something on mtv that isn't properly legally handled Mm -hmm. so they wouldn't touch it and i was devastated because i thought maybe that was my one shot and i had just blown it and luckily we got picked up for another season by that time i was ready and it just it felt right it aligned right i got the right partners i you know what i mean that's Mm -hmm. the one that just from the beginning was right Mm -hmm. you know
1: yeah no i had um i also had d on the podcast which i know Mm -hmm. it's like one of your business partners for young and reckless and he was just highlighting like what an era that was in terms of, um, you know, MTV, not obviously taking any cut of it and then you just wearing the clothes and it just like selling like crazy, which is so cool to think about. Um, and then obviously like now transitioning out of that kind of, what was it like when they, you know, the final season of fantasy factory came and Mm -hmm. like, what did that look like for you after years of reality Mm -hmm. television?
0: So there was a good and bad, like I through all of that. Like I said, at 19 years old, I knew I didn't want to be a TV star. So through the whole process, it always kind of felt like a like a job for me, and mm-hmm. I, I don't even want to say job because that sounds very spoiled. But like, it just felt like, man, this isn't really what I want to be doing with my life. But I know that this is how I market everything I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to quit. What am I going to do? Right? Yeah. Let's just build this up while I'm doing this, and the goal is by the time this is the TV stuff is over, I have a business to run, and so that's what happened but by the end of it I was so ready to be done I didn't like being on camera and we were all tired we were all ready to be done yeah and um, but the thing that I didn't so when it ended I was really happy but the thing that I didn't plan for was I thought I was kind of this like completely self-reliant entrepreneur I'd do what I want yeah and how
1: old were you at this time?
0: I was 20 probably 6 okay and I was like you know i'm on my own i'm my own dude i'm independent whatever (laughs) what i didn't realize is i had just spent the last like eight years 10 years almost um with a group of people Mm -hmm. creating something Mm -hmm. and i had somewhere that i had to be every day you know it's like be here at 10 a.m and okay i'll be there and like literally when i would get sick the producers would schedule my doctor's appointments.
1: Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Because what happens
0: is you call and you're like, hey, I don't think I can make it today. Yeah. I'm, I'm not feeling well. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to get you into a doctor mm-hmm. and it's MTV insurance yeah. and we'll get you as soon as possible and then we'll get you back on set, mm-hmm. right? And so I just didn't realize, that just became kind of normal. And mm. what I didn't realize is those are people that actually care about mm-hmm. you, you know, yeah. and the camera crew. And it was just this family of people. So the, part, the point that I, I wasn't prepared for was... It kind of I felt a little like lonely for mm-hmm. lack of a better word yeah. um, after it so I was really happy to not be on TV but I felt like man like where's all my people you yeah. know what I mean like I still had my office I had my all my employees and I was very thankful for them but it was just a big part of my whole time out here in LA that that mm-hmm. was missing mm-hmm. you know so it was good and bad
1: yeah yeah that's crazy yeah that makes sense you have like literally a whole crew of people just like Watch, like watching you yeah. and filming you, and they all have like an interest in you, and then also like I'm sure like through that like a lot of genuine relationships are formed just because yeah. it's been so long.
0: Because also think about like when you're filming at a place like the Fantasy Factory, you you film a scene, yeah. and then everyone puts their cameras down, and you know one of our guys Andy was a skater, like a real skater, and so mm-hmm. we would go skate for a little for yeah. you know 20 minutes, and then this guy we'd try some basketball shots, and like, we became very real friends because you're not filming. You know probably not even 50 percent of the time mm-hmm. you, you know you might be shooting and the other 50 percent, you're just kind of at the fantasy factory with your yeah. friends you know yeah, that's pretty cool and so we built like very real uh friendships and then and then after that it's like oh sh-, like now i just you know like what do i yeah. uh, do you have to call them and like ask them to go get coffee yeah. or like what do i do now you know uh-huh. it was very weird
1: and then um in terms of just like running the business uh, operations day-to-day like after fantasy factory ended were you just like kind of Where was the business where was young and reckless at that time for you to kind of um, Invest Were you like working on it every day Did it kind of become something that you could kind of be more hands-off on in terms of like having hours that were a little more restricted?
0: so for me like I am Very lucky that I got good business partners and D who was on your podcast has done an incredible job so all through filming Filming for me was pretty much like 10 or 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Almost every weekday while we were shooting. That was like, let's say three months at a time was a season. And then you'd have like six months off and then three months. Mm -hmm. So during filming, um, my assistant would kind of run back and forth between the Young and Reckless office and the factory. And then off season, I would be at the office every day. And for the most part, I've been at the office every single day for the length of this company that i haven't been traveling or filming Mm -hmm. i genuinely love it i know how important it is for me to be around and i am very like ocd and you know what i mean like i want to know everything's perfect there's even times when d will say to me like hey man you need to go like go to fashion week or something Mm -hmm. go meet people and i'm like Mm no i can't (laughs) leave the business you know and like probably to my own detriment but um so it was kind of uh up and down through that point while I was filming D luckily was there to cover and to do an incredible job with everything. And then now that the show's over and once it ended, I just slowly got more and more and more involved in like the true day to day and the operations mm-hmm. and the, you know, cause I could never really do that before. Yeah. And it is what I want to do. Like I want to be a business owner. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to be a celebrity. That's just not my yeah. thing. And so now I've, I mean, at this point, 10 years in, I'm, so involved in every single little bit of imp- and I can tell you if the printer is out of ink right now yeah. you know what I mean it's like but that's what I always wanted to to get to mm-hmm. was to that yeah definitely you know
1: and then like i guess now that we've kind of like covered some of your backstory i definitely wanted to get into like some maybe tactical advice for people that are just looking to to start their brand as well um and so i guess the first being uh you kind of like highlighted that you kind of like are there in the scenes in the trenches with Mm -hmm. your with your company um i guess in terms of a business perspective i listened to you be a guest on a couple different podcasts but i would love to hear like you know how everyone has their thing right there's maybe like the creative director there's like the operations there's logistics like I guess if you had to identify like your thing, Mm -hmm. what would it be?
0: You know what I do the best is I can see the vision of where we should be going long-term and then I can get everyone together to do that. Mm -hmm. So I can say like, I understand the creative just enough to say, Hey, I think, you know, we need to kind of go in this direction. And then I understand the marketing enough to say, Hey, this is where you tie into that person Mm -hmm. and like really kind of bring the team together and, and make sure that we're all moving towards the same goal. Yeah, I, I honestly don't think that any of any one category. Like, I'm not exceptionally creative. I'm yeah. not a good photo shoot dude. I'm not a good marketing guy. I'm not a good P and L guy. Mm-hmm. But I I understand where we belong in the market mm-hmm. and how to get everyone on the same page to go there. Yeah, you know that's my probably my best my best explanation <laughs> no
1: i a hundred 100 like resonate with that so much because i feel the exact same way like in terms of i've had like a couple different projects where i've organized photo shoots and like even i guess i just launched my scrunchie brand and like with that in terms of like the creative that we create like we you know put out like um i'm very proud of it and i know that like I've kind of contributed and kind of led the, the branding process, mm-hmm. but I'm not like in InDesign or not InDesign, I'm not in Photoshop creating yeah. the logo. Like I didn't like shoot the video that's on our yeah. website. Like yeah. I didn't actually like, do it but like I I coordinate and I like make um, kind of the vision clear to everyone so they they know how to fill into that I think that's not highlighted enough in terms of you know not putting too much pressure on yourself to be exceptional at one thing but then also this is kind of where a a big question I wanted to ask you is because I'm sure in the MTV days you were getting so much attention right Mm -hmm. and I feel like with attention comes opportunity right Mm -hmm. a lot of people want to like bring to you oh well why don't you try this or why don't you try Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. Um, how did you stay focused and while still evaluating like opportunities yep
0: so i think that the main thing is that i my main goal was to learn how to launch and run a business that was mm-hmm. my main goal from age you know 19 mm-hmm. um it wasn't to get rich and so i think i don't get me wrong i would love to be extremely rich but that wasn't the f- the front goal and i think that a lot of people that get caught up in opportunities you're just seeing money yeah you know and you're just saying like oh you'll pay me this much to do this oh yeah. okay I- i'll look into that mm-hmm. and and really my thing was i just saw the longer term like if i truly educate myself on how to launch and run businesses the money will come mm-hmm. right but now i actually have an education i know what i'm doing and i can mm-hmm. recreate it and i can go to, i would rather go to all these other Influencers and say, hey, why don't you yeah. let me sponsor you? Mm-hmm. I wanted to be in that role. Like, mm-hmm. I was always a fan of, don't get me wrong, I love my cousin, but um, I was always a fan of Ken Block who launched and created DC Shoes. Yeah, You know, and it became a $500 million company. Mm-hmm. But he didn't have to, you know, he was just running the company. Yeah, And I thought that was so cool. Mm-hmm. And so that was always what I was attracted to. That's why I didn't get sidelined by those things. And I also think there's just so much bullshit like that gets thrown around. Yeah. Th- they're called opportunities, mm-hmm. but it's just like, you know what I mean? And yeah. I think, especially here, and especially when you're doing a TV show, and all it's like, there's so much stuff that you're mm-hmm. like, man, this isn't real. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not gonna, this check's never yeah. coming, you know? <laughs> and um, I think I was just able to kind of sniff that out um, early, mm-hmm. you know?
1: Definitely. So, I guess for someone that's maybe, um, in the content creation space and also like wants to start their own business in terms of evaluating like a new opportunity you would say like if it doesn't further like an education for a long-term goal then it's probably not worth it
0: yeah and i would say that you know like it depends on where you're at right it depends on the opportunity and it depends right
1: i guess yeah because i think like in the age of like the internet and like online social media like as soon as you show any like promise of of any kind of creativity or, or start to gain traction i yep. feel like you know there's just all these opportunities thrown your way right yep. and i'm sure for you it was like at a mass scale because you had like hundreds of thousands of eyeballs yep. millions of eyeballs on yep. you so i guess um just like yeah if you had to pick like a guiding north star maybe yep. what would you say to someone in terms of evaluating yep. opportunities
0: so i'd say number one is it depends on where you're at in your life you mm-hmm. know there is no one um answer that works for everyone at every time true if you're young if you don't have a lot of experience you don't really have the luxury Mm -hmm. of being too picky yeah you know because everything's an opportunity to learn and Mm -hmm. even if that means you learn what bullshit looks like Mm -hmm. it's still learning yeah and you only learn that from going and getting duped or from getting you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. you don't just know it because your instincts are so good you know you go get scammed and duped and led astray and you know Mm -hmm. what I mean and that's how you know to not do it the next time so don't hesitate to you know go make mistakes and look stupid and and do all that stuff and then I think the second piece of input there is making sure that you're as clear as you possibly can be on what your personal goals are
1: Mm -hmm.
0: is your goal to be an entrepreneur is it in this space is it how much money do you want to make like try to get clear on everything across the board of what you really want out of your life and the clearer you get on your what you want the clearer whether an opportunity is good or bad will become Mm -hmm. right because you'll start to know now oh this fits into my bigger goal or it doesn't at all and don't be afraid if it doesn't to say no and to use that time focused on what does but i think even getting that level of clarity is a process and Mm -hmm. it's something that you refine over time and you shouldn't feel if you're 19 years old listening to this you shouldn't be like oh my god I don't know what I want I'm I'm, it's over for me Mm -hmm. you know it took me years and years and years of trial and error to figure out what I want and I would say I didn't figure it out until like 28 Mm -hmm. you know and so I think the clearer you are on what you even want out of your own life will make you clearer on what is a good opportunity or a bad opportunity definitely and don't be afraid to make bad decisions mm-hmm. you know everyone does it but every bad decision is a lesson of what not to do the next time you oh
1: 100 percent. yeah i think that's so true like experience is, is the best teacher yeah and then um you know something that i feel like you've really attributed to my life as well as i'm sure a lot of other people that follow your contents life is the just um i guess personal development mm-hmm. um because you come at it from such a different perspective it's not like a typical like I don't I don't know I don't put you in like the category of like a guru or yeah, something you. and you kind of like make or you kind of like make light of those people and kind of yeah. just like bring it down to like almost like a big brother level where you're just like oh you know I was weird to this stuff too and yeah. now I'm kind of getting used to it so it's definitely more relatable in terms of like introducing like new systems of um, personal development into your life whether that's waking up early working out mm-hmm. like how has that been for you I guess
0: huge I mean once again without wanting to sound like a guru or someone who found their guru it it made a huge impact on my life because i think that you know we're just not taught these are just tools right even like morning routine and gratitude and all that stuff is just a tool it's the same way you learn how to multiply or divide in math class right but we're not taught that for some reason we don't think that way um and we think about these sort of like you know like the skills you learn in school or mm-hmm. that you learn in sports but mm-hmm. you don't think about mindset and stuff like that and i think that for me i was very fortunate i had a lot of success at a young age i made it pretty far you know by 26 27 and so it's easy to think that you have it all figured out or you have at least the basics but i didn't and i and i paid for it you know like it It added up and I was just got to a place where I was so anxious and stressed and just really not enjoying what looked like beyond my wildest dreams as a kid. Mm -hmm. And it was really not fun. And I really started to question kind of what the point of any of it was and, and where it was really headed and what I really wanted out of life. And I think finding these tools and slowly but surely adding them into my routine and to who I am as a person completely changed everything I I don't want to sound like that but it like it really changed everything and it opened my eyes to all of these techniques and tools and stuff that I just was never taught most people are never taught Mm -hmm. and it's a game changer yeah you know
1: 100% so in terms of um, also like introducing a new system or tool into your life how Mm -hmm. do you go about that do you try and say like okay I'm gonna do this five days a week I'm gonna do this once a week or what does it look like
0: yeah so I am constantly like I you know I'm trying to I, I read a bunch and I've just gotten to the point where it's not that I'm trying to like be a speed reader, but I've just gotten to the point where I've learned that if I wake up in the morning and like check my Instagram, I feel anxious. Yeah. I feel like all the stuff's going on that I wasn't a part of. Mm-hmm. If I watch the news, I obviously think the world's ending, you know? <laughs> and if I meditate, I fall asleep. The perfect thing for me is to read a little bit of a book because it starts my day. It gets my brain like focused, like I'm waking up and focusing on the words And then it puts good information into my brain. And so with a lot of these books, there's really good techniques and strategies and whatever. And so I'm always highlighting them. You'll see if I ever post my books, I highlight what I like and I put a tab on it. And then after the book's over, I usually go through and I make a list of the things that I think, it might be one thing, might be two things, that I think were really worthwhile and that I want to try. And then I try it in some sort of small doable capacity. I'm a big, big believer in not saying, Oh, you know, running could be good. So I'm going to run five miles a day for the next month. Mm -hmm. Like, no, you're not. You're going to hate yourself. Your legs are going to fall off and you're never going to run again. Mm -hmm. And, I think that you start in a very small way. You start to see if it's working, if you're having any benefit. And if you are, you keep it. And if you don't, you don't feel bad at all about ditching it. There is no cure-all, morning routine, any of that stuff. So I just introduce it in a really small way. If it works well, I keep it. If not, I bail and I make room for something else.
1: Nice. No, that's awesome. Uh, Yeah, I can definitely... Really, it's it's been such a struggle waking up early. So I'm trying to find oh my God. that right. It's
0: my worst. Yeah. It's so hard for me.
1: It's so hard because people don't like talk about what time you go to bed. Everyone just talks about what time you wake up. But like, if you go to bed, I go to bed at like twelve, twelve thirty. Yeah. and So waking up at six is really hard. It's so hard. So. And I'm just
0: like, it's it's just not cool. You know, it's the coolest thing ever to talk about what time you wake up mm-hmm. and rise and grind and early bird gets the worm and we get it and the thing is i understand that some people are morning people yeah. and just love it like i have a friend who wakes up at five thirty because that's what she prefers to do yeah that sounds insane to me mm-hmm. and every morning when i wake up i am miserable <laughs> for the first 20 minutes until i chug my coffee get a little bit of my book in and mm-hmm. like start to wrap my head around the fact that the world isn't ending yeah that's people don't talk about that enough, and I wish they did because mm-hmm. it's something we could bond on. Yeah, you know, definitely. like you're not going to bond with someone on like, yeah, I'm up at four. Like, whoa. yeah. You're going to bond on like, man, that I got up at seven this morning and it sucked. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, people just you know, especially in the age of Instagram and stuff, everyone wants to look like. The hardest working,
1: That's most so dedicated, <laughs> untouchable.
0: You know what I mean? This is yeah. not real.
1: Yeah. No, 100%. Um, and then, so for someone looking to start their clothing brand in like 2019, mm-hmm. what what is some advice you'd give them?
0: Um, clothing is very, very, very tough. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that I chose it because it matched, you know, I tried a lot of other things that didn't work as well. Mm-hmm. It matched my platform for my time mm-hmm. with my line of distribution. You know, it worked. Yeah. Um, it also gave me a really good education on the why behind your brand and marketing and constantly evolving and like I wouldn't trade it for the world all that I'm saying is getting into it now you just have to be prepared to really battle and there's a lot of clothing lines and especially now with social media and with merch and with how easy Shopify is and it's a very difficult place to be and a very difficult place to start. Mm-hmm. I also won't lie to you and say that I'm not fortunate that now 10 years in Young and Reckless is a pretty well known name. Yeah. And I can't imagine if I was starting Young and Reckless today, um, that uphill battle to get through all of the noise and make a difference. But not to discourage <laughs>
1: those <That was> very <laughs> negative.
0: I'm just saying make sure it's what you want to do yeah. with any business. Yeah. And then secondly, um, know why your brand matters. You know, because here's the thing there's hundreds of, sorry, there's hundreds of millions of t shirt options. Mm-hmm. Why does someone want to put yours on? It's not going to be the softest. It's just not. It's not going to be the cheapest. It's just not. So, what is it about your brand that makes people feel special? What are you actually doing? How do you actually do it? Like, if you say, hey, we support, you know, youth, uh, at risk youth programs. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Do you actually do it? And how do you show that you do it? And is, the content of you doing it even entertaining to watch you know and I think you just got to think through all of that what do we stand for how do we say what we stand for and what creative ways do we get it out there Mm -hmm. and if you do that right you can have a lot of success and clothing is a really fun industry you know Um, you get to go to the cool parties and you get to hang out with cool people and Mm -hmm. it's all part of work and Mm -hmm. go to fancy restaurants right it's a great industry for that stuff but you got to be clear on what your brand is and why it sets, sets you apart from the next guy.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. And so like, as we wrap up here, I kind of want to turn back the question that I know you asked to a lot of your podcast yeah, guests. Yeah. It's like, if you were like, I guess looking back to like the drama that just moved to LA, like yeah. what is something that you would say to him? Some words of encouragement.
0: Yeah. I would say that, uh, I would say, uh, just learn more and, and try to, do less and I know that sounds kind of crazy but I'm always like I'm I'm an ambitious guy I think most people are ambitious to be honest yeah they just don't know where to put their ambition so true um so I'm gonna do things I'm gonna try to start young and reckless I'm gonna do what I do but I think that I also when I look back at it now my greatest gift was that I was able to shut up and learn from people but I should have done it more. Mm -hmm. You know, I was still, there were, there were times when I was still too eager to be the guy who knows instead of the guy who's learning. Yeah. And I think every time you play the role of the guy who knows, you shut off the guy who's learning. And I just think now at, you know, 32, after all this time here, I'm like, man, there was plenty of time. There still is plenty of time. And now that's what I do, but there's plenty of time to get where you want to get. Just learn and, Be humble and make sure that you're understanding this isn't a race this isn't a who's the coolest who's the smartest this is a a process of of learning and learning who you even are and getting where you want to go you know yeah so just slow down and Soak it in. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: That's a great point. Yeah, I think you get caught up in, like, the day-to-day and, like, always trying to do something and don't actually, yeah. like, synthesize all the things you've learned. And,
0: like, now, you know, we all have Instagram pages, right? So, like, you, like let's just say we're doing an interview and, and if you're thinking, not saying you are, I know you're not, you're a very humble uh, <laughs> girl, but I... If you're thinking, oh, I can't wait to show all my followers yeah. what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Look at my interview. You know, and it's yeah. like everyone's all about, like, showing themselves looking good now. Yeah. And I just think sometimes that mentality can stop you from looking stupid now, which is what you need to do to one day look good. So you know? true. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't, there's no reward in the, in the journey because you're trying to publish your story every day right now, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah.
1: And then where, where can people find you if they want to hear more about your podcast? And and yep. sorry I didn't give you much to shout out that, but those no, no, podcasts yeah. are incredible. I'm so easy I'll let on you that. talk about them.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, they're great. I, I've had an incredible time doing it. I started it a little over two years ago, and I just interview. To be honest, I interview anyone who's created an amazing life mm-hmm. that I think is interesting. Those are the those are the guidelines, mm-hmm. and you know that ties back into what I want young and reckless to to mean and to add value to people's lives. And that's what I do. I've had an amazing time doing it. I've gotten a lot better at talking. I was super quiet and awkward in the beginning, which I didn't, I thought I was much, I thought I'd be a much better interviewer mm-hmm. than I was, but I built a lot of really good relationships. I've learned a lot I've you know, whatever, but it's called short story long. It's uh, pretty much everywhere where podcasts are. And then really, if you follow me on Instagram, my name is just drama on Instagram. If you follow me on there, I will give you more than enough you know, of podcast shout outs and you'll find everything I'm doing on there.
1: Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, thank you so much, Ram. I of really course. appreciate you taking the time. It was yeah. incredible. Thanks for doing it. Thank you. Yep.